You are listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. This is the second episode of our doubleheader. We are talking about episode three of season four. This episode is called Christopher, and it was written by Michael Imperioli, directed by Tim Van Patten. Original air date was September 29th, 2002. HBO synopsis. Silvio and Ralph must take care of a planned protest of the Columbus Day Parade by a Native American group. At an Italian pride ladies' lunch, Carmela's embarrassed by anti-mafia remarks. Meanwhile, Ralph deals... I don't think she was that embarrassed, by the way. Meanwhile, Ralph deals with new relationship troubles, and Bobby receives some tough news. Title. Christopher. Christopher Columbus. So good. In an episode penned by Michael Imperioli, who of course played Christopher Moltisanti. Who isn't very present in this episode. Mm. But on purpose, I think. I agree. Because on his other writings, he was just totally focused on Christopher. That and also he's very, I feel like this is a, Naya said it before we started, but go ahead. What did you say about this episode? Christopher. Oh, I don't like this one very much. See, you are in the majority. Yeah. You are in the unsilent majority. Most people think this episode is awful, but it's a palate cleanse. Yeah, I, I think the critics are a little too harsh. There's some humor to this, some tongue-in-cheek, and the, yeah, it's not one of the best. I don't think it's the worst episode. There's a general distaste for this episode, but I enjoyed many aspects of it. I like the palate cleanse feel to it, of course. I always do. You kind of need it. Yeah. Um, I also, especially after the last episode, I also thought that the all sides commentary on race relations, different ethnic groups, what historical event can be compared to what historical event, what past atrocity uh, was worse than another past atrocity. I thought it was all kind of one big obfuscation, which is to say the final sequence is all you need to know about the show, in my opinion the episode, Sopranos, maybe life in general, one of my favorite sequences in the show, it drives home this point. It's all about the fucking money. Mm. So all the posturing that takes place, which we'll kind of dissect, really comes down to a singular thing. Depending, doesn't matter what ethnic group you're in, doesn't matter what your beliefs are, it's all about the, the God of Green. And Tony is the one that reminds us of that. I have a fun fact. I might have told you. I'm Italian, but my name is Native American. Yes. There's a couple other spellings, but I guess. And then what it means is like running water, like fluidity. That's awesome. Yeah. She knew that you were going to be an artist because you have a singular name. That- That's why she shoved me in a private Catholic school because she thought I was going to be an airhead, like some hippy-dippy artist. Just to make sure that you stayed on the straight and narrow. Little Carmela vibes. I just, it's uncomfortable, this one, for me. Okay. I don't, I don't like— Let's unpack it. Before we jump into the discussion, I just want to say that the this notion of uh, money, autopsy also has a great perspective on this as well. So be sure to check that out. Okay, opening frame. Overhead shot of Satrials. Picturesque. So good. Thing of beauty. Context. Comfort. That's what that shot is right there. Start your episode off with a very warm blanket. But then, David Chase gives us the Indians and Columbus Day, which is cringeworthy, by the way, because it's an old, age-old thing that no one's right, no one's wrong. It just is. It's a thing that no one really likes to get into, but we're going to get into it today. Silvio calls it anti-Italian discrimination, and he's going to take action. The wide-angle frame of the group before the cut, the color palette, Mm. another thing of beauty. That's my favorite shot. One of my favorite shots uh, is of Chris and Ralph. 
and that um, perspective angle where oh, yeah. Chris is a little bit closer in the yeah. red and then Ralph in the beautiful. back. Beautiful camera. Yeah. Beautiful color. And the final pullback shot of them when they're all kind of looking down and out, it's kind of like a, a setup for this episode being the viewer, I've got to get through this one. Mm-hmm. But I think we might have some positives to take away from it. Cut to Carmen friends working out including Bobby's wife, Karen. That's a very forced character. They should have developed her a little bit more into the show. Especially for someone like Bobby, right? And to have the weight of, yeah. spoiler alert, she dies. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know. You don't I have mind any attachment. It, though. I don't mind device. it, but so, it, because you learn so much more about Bobby. There you go. But like she was a tool yeah. to get to the plot points that they wanted, the character development they wanted. She wasn't a character they wanted to develop. So she was a, she was a, what do you call, collateral damage, yeah. right? But there is a little bit of Karen, and let's get into it. Also on the topic of Italian pride, the girls are talking about Columbus Day, so we very much know this is going to be coming at them from all sides. U2 is playing in the background, which I can't help but wonder if there's a tacit commentary about U2 playing in the gym. Context. Some messaging going on there. Look, David Chase and Stevie Van Zant, tight. They discuss these music choices. U2's no- very political. Nothing's accidental. Oh, nice. Nice catch. And they have the nerve to throw music on your iTunes without even asking. Right. That bothered me. But it's kind of goofy that they're playing in the gym. Like, you would pick... Like, yeah, that's... Because, funny. and I'll tell you why it even gets even more so, like, they're actually making a commentary on U2. I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm just saying. There's something happening there. Because the following song is Waiting for Tonight by Jennifer Lopez, which is still... Which still bumps yeah oh yeah that's it still has it still has a moving groove to it it's one of my favorites um she's in a new movie by the way uh with cardi b hustlers she's looking younger her and tom brady she's sold her soul to the devil that's what it is she looks incredible okay furio's ponytail sandy fortunata says it looks like a dick coming out of his head well she pretends to be his friend what a two-face john (laughs) <laughs> who's Sandy Fortunato? <laughs> She's a two-faced bitch is who she is. Actually, that was a really funny cut. That was a really funny yeah, cut. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> John, who's Sandy Fortunato? That's the title of my Netflix series of the week. Who's Sandy Fortunato? That's How- funny. That was mine. That was like a Twin Peaks yeah. Sandy Fortunato. Do we know her? Have we seen her? Or is she just a name? I think it was just a name. Okay. But it, I think it was a tool to okay. uh, have uh, <laughs> Carmela... Uh, defend him in a yeah. very strange way yeah. that she seems endearing towards him. What a two-face, Carmela says. Cut to Adriana. Again, it's not subtle. I put the emoji note there as the skull. That is the show. Again, we know what I know. Carmela doesn't know. And we know all this stuff already. We've been given all these assets. It's like the cuts to pussy. Yeah, no. yeah. Same thing. So she good. is now filling that void. Cut to the kinky bedroom stuff with Janice and Ralph. Okay. I have a big problem with this scene. Ralph's <laughs> rocky ringtone is unacceptable. He is not allowed to have rocky ringtones. That's hilarious. Um, Janice is quite hilarious in this scene. The way that she's acting out his fantasy, she's acting quite brilliantly. You get this on a script. Yeah. And you're looking at this piece of paper and you got to 
do that. She did an excellent job. Oh, yeah. She's like, a great it, actress. It was an amazing, amazing performance right there. It's also Cringeworthy. Really, yeah, but it's also so fascinating because you learn so much about Ralph, how he he's such an asshole to women, but he likes to be dominated. Likes to be dominated. It's, I find it a really interesting character trait we learn. Chuck Rhodes in Billions. Yeah. A Similar. Of, yeah, a lot you watch of, the show, too? Yeah. And ah, Don great Dra- time. John yeah. Draper does, too. He likes to get slapped in the face. Yeah. yeah. A lot of powerful men we do. We all like kind of do. Yeah. But it's interesting because I just keep hearing Ro's voice in my head like, oh, you're shit. All your needs taken care of. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem Ro is into it the same way. I love her confidence, though. Then get the fuck out. Yeah. When she's like, well, she's like what yeah. do you want? Do you want to break up with me? As soon as he says yes, get the fuck out. Yeah. Love her. Love Ro. Okay. Cut to Polly in the can. He calls Johnny Sack again. Mm. Polly tells Johnny Sack about the Ginny joke. I am not a fan of this. It's not his. It's not his guy. It's not his boss. It's not his crew. He's stirring the pot. Very divisive. Very divisive. Thank you. Okay. I think it's the cl- the most elegant thing Polly's done in a way. I feel like there was Pray a lot tell. of sass and like thought, like kind of what you were saying earlier, where he knew exactly how to lace this and bring it up, where he doesn't look like he's got you know. Oh, you know. I hope it didn't get back to you. Like he he, I gave him I give him more credit now because he he. Uh, What's that called with the alley-oop thing y'all do? The lobbed Long. it up in a really nice way. He's playing chess. Yeah. First is time he? I've seen Paul play chess. He is playing chess. chess. Yeah. He is playing chess. I was chess. impressed. I just don't like anybody playing chess against Tony. I think that's what it is. Even at the expense of Ralph? But it's more Ralphie he wants to put down. But it ultimately hurts Tony, you know? I this think, whole, but if Tony creating... hand like, Polly can't expect Tony to, I, mean, I guess, what I'm thinking is, that how does this affect Tony? If Tony manages this correctly, then we wouldn't have the continued issue. Mm. So you don't see this as a way to try to break down Tony's power. This has got nothing to do with Tony, in your opinion. I see it as he's trying to put a crack in Tony's leadership. You don't. Uh, I really think he's trying to dissolve Focus on Ralph. Uh, a capo that outshined him okay. and his crew. All right. Then it's not that big of, a, big of a deal to me, but I just see it as a little too close to Tony. And he's got nothing but time, he said. So he's sitting, mm. festering in jail thinking about how to get his enemies, and his nephew brought it to his doorstep. Great point. Mm. This, of course, this whole sequence sets off a bad streak between Tony and Johnny Sack, though, as we will see as the episodes evolve, which is why I kind of feel like Polly was the wrench in that dynamic. Cut to dinner scene. You did it with inside knowledge from Ron Zellman, says Johnny Sack. Are he flipping the property on Freeling has an avenue. Sack says, this is something that we talked about in the past episode as well, John, we share Zellman. Remember, Zellman is a double fucking agent too. Mm-hmm. Zellman's yeah. not loyal to Tony. Zellman's probably got mob bosses lined up outside the yin-yang to do these types of deals with. But we learn and we hear it. We share Zellman. The Soprano family benefits, Johnny Sack says. Carmine feels we should too. Procedural question for you guys. Why does Carmine have Johnny Sack speak for him when he's right there at the dinner table? I think it's the same thing that we saw in the previous episode, uh, just minus uh, him not leaving the room. But Tony didn't speak on behalf of his decision. He had his consigliere do it. And is Johnny... We've asked this before, He's I think. the underboss. He's the underboss. Yeah. So... Is it like a protective measure, too? Like in case they're wired up? I think so. Okay. Got it. Cut to Furio's shirt. So good. And Carmella 
he brought struvoli. Fan? My grandma always had that. Struvoli, John? I, I don't even know what it is. It's like a coffee cake type, like, breakfast. Yeah. Any thoughts on the Schwab commercial audio overpowering the moment between Furio and Carmela? I didn't catch that. I have a thought. Go ahead. More asset allocation stuff for the writers. Remember, this is the asset allocation season when they're raking in the money and they have a Schwab commercial. Schwab's probably been biting their ear off to take some of those funds off their hands. So (laughs) it's a little product placement to get a deal. Did Carmela and Furio notice the commercial, right? No. They they didn't? It was just... They were, you could feel their, they were in their own oxygen, but then Charles Schwab was there and I couldn't help but hear that because obviously... You know, you're listening to everything and you're picking up all the different stimuli of the show. And why is, why is it Schwab as opposed to... Yeah, anything else. Like in Pepsi, I think it's that asset allocation. Hmm. But then they take their attention to the TV, right? Yes. Which is so cute because that does happen when you're like into someone and then you don't know what to say. And you're like, oh, look, a, a bee. Or like, right. you know, like you have those moments where like, oh, yeah, the, the table's... Really, you know, like you yeah. just kind of, wherever your eyes can just like start going. Awkward yeah. is the <laughs> operative expression there. You said it well. Dr. Del Redclay is on Montel Jordan. Is it Montel Jordan? Did I get that right? I think so. Montel Jordan. That's, yeah. Montel Jordan's a singer. Montel, mm, Montel Jones. Montel Jordan sounds like a singer, too. There is a Montel something. Let me find out. Montel. That's the Friday night guy song. Ooh, girl, you know what's up. Say what, say what, say what. Montel Jordan is a singer. Donnell Jones is the singer that I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm a mess. Okay. Say what, say what, say what? This was interesting to me because it got me thinking about how many times a character has been introduced on a TV set, on a show you're watching, and then you later see that character outside of the TV set, but still inside your TV set. Very Inception. Whoa, meta. Very Inception. Right? The one current show where this phenomenon is somewhat happening is years and years on HBO with Emma Thompson's character, which I highly recommend. She is a character, she's a politician who's on the TV and the characters in the show are watching her on the TV. But her role in the show is to be a character on a TV. Like three, three degrees. I love that, like the show within the show. Within show within the show, show within yeah. the show. The third walls. It's like looking it. in, standing in your bathroom, a mirror behind a mirror, and you see all these little rows of yourself. It's like the little girl holding the butter. There you go. She's holding a thing of butter. Musha Mush, Carmelo to the rescue. Love that line. Very special line. I say it to Katie all the time. Any personal family history or Italian home context for that line? Yeah, I mean, that's what's so great about the show. They have these little sayings that if you don't grow up in an Italian house, you never heard them. But like, Musha Musha is like, you know, you got a, you got a long face. It's yeah. like you're, someone just killed your dog. Yeah. And my mom would say it all the time. Really? Or like, there's another one like, Usha school, which means you got ants in your pants. So if like right now, I oh, can't... Oh, like you can't sit still. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Oh, you got Usha school. Like, there's just all these little <laughs> like sayings and they throw them in so naturally. Naturally. You know, like even when she says, oh, I'm, you want me to make you some pastine for your stomach? I mean, that's pastina, which is like a tiny little, basically like a peasant dish, which is like broth and little... Um, little pastas that are like dots and you give it to kids when they're sick. Yeah. Which is like even calling it pastine instead like of pastina. Yeah. Love it's it. It's great. Cut to Junior's trial. First soprano family trial in 16 years. And that's why he's Musha Mush, right? Yes. Okay. Melvoin, Junior's lawyer, is eyeing Junior to look at the jury. 
It's a curious exchange. He was mute. Did you make anything of that or catch that scene? He didn't have one word of dialogue. He's just kind of like nudging Junior to pay attention to the jury. Yeah, and I paused it to try to isolate some particular, but it was a melting pot of I think jurors it's, I think it's strategy, yeah. trying to say like, make sure you pay attention to the jury to show respect to the jury. Uh, okay, cut to Carmen, the ladies' luncheon with the guest speaker. Gripes about the mob association within the overall Italian-American culture. She's the female version of Dr. Melfi's ex-husband, La Pena, Richard La Pena. Agree? Yeah, I don't like her, though. I, she, I find contradictions in all her shit, which is similar to what you said, which I totally agree with about like the whole middle passage being like, I hurt more, we hurt more. Yes. Everyone's just, it's like yes. a ego thing of like, oh. And she's using it to her advantage. I mean, she calls her book Strega, which is like means witch. Like it's just, she, I don't know. It's just everyone's making no sense to me. What was your family position on Christopher Columbus? We were kind of just like, let's just not talk about it. I don't know. Let's. What does the book say in your school? Columbus Day, though, was it like it was like a thing. No, or was it kind of like any other day? We were. It's not like Christmas, right? We weren't like. My parents' generation, they were proud to be Italian, but, like, my dad's friend was like, don't wear one of your Ginzo shirts to the country club when you go to your interview. So I think they were trying to suppress it. Like, my mom didn't teach us Italian. You know, she grew up in Connecticut with all the Italians, and they moved to Boston, and they didn't even move to where all the Italians were. They moved to, like, a suburb to try to fit in. And it was interesting just to kind of see how it's there. We have Italian pride, but it's, like, kind of within our own family. We don't really, like, go out and we're like, we're Italian. You didn't grow up in an Italian neighborhood. No, no. And so that's why, you know, my cousins lived around the corner, and we would have all our Italian holidays together. But we wouldn't, like, you know, waltz into Whole Foods and be like, viva la, you know, like, we're just (laughs) a little quiet. (laughs) Rocking the flag on the front. I try to be a little bit more out with it now because it's fun. Yeah your heritage. Yeah. Silvio's wife, Gabriella, takes the most umbrage to this guest speaker. Love her. Long go. Father in Tintola, about to bite into a cannoli. <laughs> Poor guy. Always having an encounter with food before he gets reamed. It's his replacement for sex. But I thought it was interesting they picked her because it's Silvio's wife. And Silvio has such a personal problem in this episode that I found She's, it interesting oh. Gab took this personal. It was the Dantes. Yeah, and I think maybe they they have some connection together of like, you know, she sees him always having an issue. So she's going to, something's going to spark in this speech. Like, you know what, I'm going to take a stand to her. I thought it was interesting. Well, She's not an actress, you know. Carmela's always had this issue of like not recognizing that they're really in the mafia or, you know, just pretending that they're different than that. And I think she took no issue to being isolated like that because she didn't feel like, well, we're not part of the mafia or we're, we're not really that thing. And her friends wanted to defend her more than she wanted to defend the... Well, the she mishap. says, what are you going to do? Twice. Yeah. The second one kind of had some ammunition in it. The second one was like, kind of boss-like, almost, like, delegate that shit. Uh, scene with Bobby complaining about his wife while he's sitting in traffic. Naya, moments that we have, regularness of life, in cars, okay? Yeah. I just came back from a road trip with my son. Tons of memories so in cute. the car on purpose. I wanted to, he's like, when are we going to be in the car? I'm like, you'll know in 20 years, buddy. Where'd Aww. you guys go? 
to Sequoia National Park, Yosemite National Park, and Lake Tahoe. Nice. And then back down. But moments in cars, right? Special soundtrack. Anyway, TMI. Uh, scene with Bobby complaining about his wife while he's sitting in traffic. Great setup scene. Yeah. To what? Receive bad news by phone. When was the last time? Have you received bad news by phone in 2019? Yes. John. Karen is dead. Accident on Pompton Avenue. Trivia question. What's the significance of this death? It can't just be just to show Bobby, is it really? In this episode? Why this episode? I asked Michael this when I interviewed him. When you wrote episodes, you usually tended to give Steve, who's his buddy, Mm -hmm. more (laughs) juice. Okay. Was that intentional? He said no, but the... Set up, Bobby's the character in the show, not his wife. And I'm with you. Like, I don't love it. I don't love that what we get from this is that Janice moves in on him because we don't love, inherently love Janice. But that's a, the arc of Janice, I think. And Bobby's just a result of that because uh, in this episode, she realizes that there's a better person she should be with. Yes. And it's not discovered that it's Bobby until she starts to think about that. Sure. And I don't think Bobby would have worked with any other woman unless his wife dies Mm -hmm. yeah and maybe this death is just because things go on and like this christopher columbus thing is you know just one issue but you know people die and people go to funerals and janice makes moves on new guys like it's just normal it's just normal life life and trying to make it mean more and i don't think it does silvio and tony reductionism my father was a knight of columbus Silvio says. Real quick, Knights of Columbus is the world's largest Catholic fraternal organization. Guys only. Named in honor of Christopher Columbus. Overarching goal is to promote Catholic education. Currently, almost 2 million active members, and they are a formidable charitable force in terms of dollars and volunteer hours. Interesting. Notable Knights include JFK, Vince Lombardi, John Boehner, and Jeb Bush. We need your leadership on this, Silvio says. Very consigliere speak. The battle is going to be won on the PR level. I love this. This I have used this so many times in my personal life. (laughs) Hearts and minds. So good. Another infinitely wise line that only Silvio can pull off in this show, but this came from the hearts and minds as a political expression that has been used Since time immemorial Mm -hmm. in wars. And presidents have used it and senators have used it. And I'm pretty sure that current ones are using it as well. Cut to Zellman. Clipping nose hairs when the phone rings. Are you a nose clipper? Yeah. Or are you a nose hair puller? No, I heard, I read some article that that was dangerous. It could do something to you. I'm a puller still. Uh, Andre Agassi's dad, Andre Agassi wrote a really great book called Open mm. about his career and super honest. And he said that his dad, his dad has coached him from kid. He hated tennis, but his dad was like a staunch tennis, tennis. This is what you're doing. He bought a piece of dirt. They weren't wealthy. He just bought a piece of dirt outside of Las Vegas somewhere. And he built a tennis court on it and put a fence around it so that only his son could practice on it because they couldn't afford country clubs and all that shit. But he said his dad... The, the one thing he remembers the most about his dad is that he would rip out 
clusters of hair from his nose with his bare hands and throw it on the ground. And ever since I read that, I I had been doing it before I read that, but when I read that, I was like, that's why I told you that anecdote because it made me think it was the one thing that I connected with on uh, Zellman. Um, He's unhelpful to stop the protest, okay? Uh, Tony hangs up with emphasis. Kind of like that. Kind of dig these little... These little boss moves. Splitting hairs. Splitting hairs, mm-hmm. yeah. Jenison therapy. Uh, that's, what do you, I mean, what do you think? You have more, I have experience with one therapist. I think Janice uses her therapist to enable her. It's like, that's where you get into the talk therapy of someone to just empathize and like blow your ego up. And she's not really, and she challenges her a little, but it's not. She's not utilizing it the right way. She's not doing any of the Is the practice. therapist supposed to be agreeable, though, like that? And like Some are. Sometimes people just need to vent, you know, or someone to give them some encouragement and not necessarily tell them what to do or kind of what we want. I'm more like, just give it to me. Like, tell me what's wrong with me. Or, like, we can take it. Some people aren't ready for that. And Janice pretends she is, but Janice is lost. The work is to make new choices that have nothing to do with old patterns. I love that line. Good luck. Who the fuck can just do that though? But it's so smart. It's a whole the it's I, so Janice too. Yeah. So Janice, but I but it's live in the moment and you know, don't look back at the past and don't perseverate about the future. God give me the strength, Janice says, to which her therapist replies, She will. Backstories the therapist more than you can imagine. Again, they're having fun this episode. Yeah. What's the com- name of this therapist? The actress is Joyce Van Patten, mm. half-sister of, of director Tim. Tim Van Patten. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, to hell with them, she says. Therapist says, for Janice, it's all about her seeking acceptance. Which is another powerful line. Janice takes it in a completely different direction, though. Like, she doesn't understand that... I don't know. I, I see this therapist as, like, giving her clues, but she's internalizing them in the wrong way kind yeah. of a thing. And it's sort of like, what no, what are you going to do with this information? You're actually enabling her. Yeah. But she's actually trying to get her out of it. She is, but she's not hard enough on Janice because Janice is really good at manipulating things. She's like, well, you know, he's different. Like it's, you can fool your therapist. Some therapists aren't strong and you can really just completely get, get what you want to hear out of it. Before we leave her, I want to say one thing about this choice the work is to make new choices that have nothing to do with old patterns. That line sat with me. So I did, I, I like the phrasing and I actually looked into it and even brought it up with my own therapist. Janice's therapist is focusing in on a common stressful mental habits, dwelling on possible future disasters or past hurts, taking things too personally, excessive self-criticism, Working yourself up to a stratospheric level of anger about a little thing. Correcting this, I read, relies on making a handful of decisions. Okay? So first you need to be, you need to decide. You were saying how the fuck do you do stuff like this? Mm-hmm. You need to decide. You, yeah. We have to, It's all mind, you're tricking your brain to do these things. You're deciding to become self-aware of a thought pattern deciding to change the pattern by essentially tricking your brain because all of psychology is teaching yourself to play tricks on your mind. And then there's deciding to use the thinking part of your brain to override your negative spiraling part. To correct the habits, yeah. It's easier said than done. It's impossible to some. This is a super powerful moment that anybody who's struggling can use. 
this Janus and therapy, Janus and therapy session is a very universal experience. Definitely. Um, finally, incorporating all of what I just said into a specific plan is the key. And then following that plan when trigger events happen. I think a lot of times you read this stuff or you read all these self-help books or you get these ideas or you have these like really great heart-to-hearts with people and you feel really great about it, but you don't have an actionable plan that you're going to follow and the shit fizzles right back down. And to quote Tony Soprano, all of a sudden I'm right back to square one. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. There are some tools for this. One tool that I found that I really liked that I am going to discuss further with my therapist is when I notice the negative thinking pattern, labeling it, Mm -hmm. and then apparently it just floats away. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to to call it by its name. You have to say it and you have to kind of look at it like it's a pain body. Have it like physically remove and have an out-of-body experience where you're looking at the thing and you're labeling it and it should slide by on a people mover. Sometimes for some, just identifying it is enough. Yeah. But labeling it sounds fun. You know, like I'm getting out my proverbial little label fucking maker. You love your log, your log. I'm punching the little letters in. I'm <laughs> slapping the label on that motherfucker. Your log. I'm it. healed. <laughs> you know, like that, that is the goal. That is the work. It's the, the work. The work is to make new choices that have nothing to do with old patterns. God bless Ms. Van Patten. Okay. Cut to Ralphie's finest moment with the Indian rep. My opinion of Ralphie's finest moment. Espira de Corti, we learn, wasn't even a fucking Indian. Iron Eyes Cody. This is a massive revelation. The irony of the Indians fighting with the Italians when the object of their heritage is 100% fucking Italian. Yeah. Not 80. I know. Not 60. Not 40. Yeah. Not two. Not three. Not four. Not five. Not six, not seven. But then for for Ralphie to call him a fugazi, (laughs) he's calling his own guy a fugazi. That was a great little piece of like sleuthy writing. It was good. Yeah, his whole description, I represent a family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good people. (laughs) Good people. Family Family people. people. (laughs) I love it. His best moment, his finest moment in the show. He's great. Ironized Cody was an Italian-American actor, began insisting... He was Native American, though, and claimed he was part of several tribes. But he was 100% Sicilian, and it was confirmed at his death. They did like a 23andMe test on him. Well, here's the thing. So he claimed it, right? Which is, they mock the the chief in this show, Tony does, and we'll we'll make a connection there. Iron Eyes Cody, though, was in over 200 films. His resting place is right here in the nearby Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Mm. Even Jay Silverheels knew it. Who the fuck is Jay Silverheels? Well, Jay's a Mohawk actor. He's a real Indian. Best known for his role of Tonto in The Lone Ranger. He was cremated and his ashes were delivered to his home reservation. Like a true Indian. Cut to the Soprano house. Getting close to the best scene at the end. AJ's reading People's History of the United States. Have you guys read it? No. Didn't, you didn't, you weren't forced, a Catholic school required reading? No. No? I remember learning a lot about Christopher Columbus in elementary school, and it just, hindsight, it seemed so inappropriate. The Nina like, and the Pinta and the Santa yeah, Maria. Yeah, giving such a, f- a flowery version of what actually happened. 
So I actually have a story behind this book. It was written by Howard Zinn, first in 1980, with numerous editions coming out thereafter. The most recent one was 2009. The book was put on the map for me by Goodwill Hunting, mm. which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Matt Damon's character, Will Hunting, says, that's a real book, it'll blow your fucking hair back. Made a little mental note to self in the movie theater. I People do that sometimes with, like, lyric ideas. No phone. No, this is 1997, okay? No phones. I remember starting it during that summer, and then after I'd seen the movie and then finishing it when I moved to New York many years later, the popularity controversy behind the, the book, the popularity slash controversy behind the book, I should say, is that it's American history told from a different lens mm. than what's normally taught in schools. It's Christopher Columbus without the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Howard Zinn passed away in 2010, sadly. Really prolific writer. He published a memoir in 2002. It's called You Can't Be Neutral on a Moving Train, and that is also really good. So if you're interested, check that out. Of course, this is all moot, for as far as Tony is concerned, he's not having any of it. He discovered America is what he did. He was a brave Italian explorer. And in this house, Christopher Columbus is a hero. End of story. Okay, Karen's funeral. Hmm. Bobby, Naya, we learn, is the only one who didn't have a gumad. Did that surprise you? A little bit. I thought it was like, you have to have one if nothing but to show appearances. Yeah. I don't think you have to have one. It's just some code that you're allowed to have one and no one says anything. Ginny played Canasta. The fuck's Canasta? I don't know. It's a card game. It is? Similar to Gin Rummy. Rummy card games are essentially matching games, so matching fours, matching aces, whatever. I love that they're discussing who's going to bring the food. Like, literally while she's there. Like, they can't wait. What's it called? The ZD Patrol? ZD Patrol. Another great line, Ralphie. ZD Patrol. ZD Patrol. That'd be a great show I'd watch, like, to go and find the ZD. No, no, no. You know what would be an amazing show? ZD Patrol. ZD Patrol, but it's... What's the goal? The start of the episode, the start of the episode is a funeral. And then the rest of the episode is like the four or five women doing ZD Patrol. That's so good. I might have to meme this. I would definitely invest in that. Okay. Johnny Sack tells Tony to keep Ralph away from him. Ralph tries to give him some money. Sorry about Allegra. Johnny Sack hits it down. Sill... In his consigliere tones, something's going on. Yeah. Somebody's talking too much. It's costing me money. Great tension and always something going down at funerals, you guys. Hardcore family business. Remember back to Richie. Yeah. In Cazarelli's, shit goes down. Ralph says, fuck this. I got better shit to do which is a boss move on his part. He's been playing chess, like you said. But cut to breaking up with Roe. That's the better shit he had to do? Shame on him. I think he doesn't really have better shit to do. No. That's why it cuts to that. I think this is Ralph at its core. He's recognized that he needs to be with Janice and that he likes her and that what he's doing to Roe isn't Is it going to move him up? Well, I don't know. You think he has that moral point. compass at this moment? I think that he really has feelings no, for, love, for Janice. No. Yeah. It's a boss move. It's a boss move. I mean, I guess if she's engaging in all the things he wants in the bedroom. But we learn from Roe. Boss every, move. Your every need. Yeah. Oh, sexual, your shit. Whatever. Yeah. But boss moves to keep both. 
You, no, you don't Rose leave. Just a you don't sad... leave your girlfriend for your gumar unless you really like your gumar. Unless yeah. your gumar is Tony Soprano's sister. Cut to the horse stable. The transition from Ralph breaking up with Roe to the horse stable is an interesting transition. Mm-hmm. Tony is telling Hesh about Freeling Has an Avenue. Sidebar, you got to listen for it. His take will be a little less. Why did he have a take to begin with? It's just fascinating to me. Hesh is not a made guy. Hesh probably invested with him. Okay. Intro, Piomai. Welcome to the show. Beautiful mare. Still alive. Still alive. When Ralphie says he's buying her, Hesh gestures. He makes a gesture with his hand. It could be like, go or take the horse. But was he responding to Ralph? Like, no, this guy's never going to buy the horse. Or was it just escort the horse away? Hesh's gesture got me. I didn't catch that. Anyway, um, if anybody has a thought, send it our way. Cut to Carm at Bobby's. Junior calls. She's still sour at him. Refresh my memory. He tried to kill Tony. <laughs> yeah. It still goes all the way back to that. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't to you. Pablo, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It was this little like, thing. Yeah, like, like, uh, I'm, so, I'm clearly so fixated on the paintings on the wall that I forget yeah. these things, you know? All this happened. All the reductionism I'm doing. But she okay. was fairly civil. She was more civil than she's ever been in yeah. past seasons. Pablo Picasso, Jr. says, another overt art reference. Did he? He kind of does. Okay, cut to Ralph. He tells Janice he left Roe. Why do he come in so hot and loud? The screeching halt, the loud scream. The Stella is a Stella? He's out front of her door with the boombox. He's coming to his love. He's, yes, he's excited. He had to rush in to... It's a Brando reference, isn't it? Stella. This is what I was asking Stella. for. Stella, yeah, so from Streetcar Named Desire. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And it's like a whole... Even it's if you're this, wrong, it's what, I'm, that's I'm what I want. I'm like pretty it, positive that's what it you is. You saw Streetcar Named Desire when you saw that. 100%. That's what he does. He yells, Stella, to, to win her back. Janice seemed disappointed. The therapist's influence crossed my mind, but then she gets kinky right down and dirty with him, and then we hear the great line, ZD Patrol. She's got to go to Bobby's. Nice setup for her to get out of this. Cut to the dinner party with Marty, who's a guy that Hesh sets up with Tony to get this casino thing figured out with the chief. Chief Doug Smith joins too. Handsome chief. I was just going to say handsome, man. Doug Smith. Good bone structure going on. Great bone structure. Uh, CEO of Mohunk Enterprises. He had a quote. This is what I fucking love about this show. He had a quote, racial awakening. That he's a quarter Indian. Piece of work, this guy. Okay? Tony's going to have the last word on this motherfucker, Mm -hmm. though. And all this happened when the casino bill got passed, right? Better late than never. What a dig. (sighs) You became Indian. Yeah. When the government started doling out the funds, right? Yeah. The bill he's referring to is the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act of 1988. The result of this bill, you guys, is what amounts to, it's a $20 billion per year business in today's dollars. It's crazy. Janice brings KFC for Bobby. Food, food, like that solves all the world's problems. She falls for him practically on the spot right there. He confides in her. I thought he would hold up his toughness like he doesn't know who she is they don't have a relationship i was a little surprised that he kind of went all in but he was just so emotionally vulnerable 
Maybe that's. I why. think it could have been anybody because. I think so too. The but there were a line of women. Yeah, and she was shooing them out. Um, he breaks down uncontrollably. Naya, you said this well. It's so convincing. Mm-hmm. Tears of a champion. He's the Kawhi Leonard of crying. <laughs> Cut to the back of Satrials. Pass me the peppers. Reference to peppers. Phone rings. It's the Indian chief. Tony eyes Sylvia before taking the phone. Subtle. He gets up. Looks at him like, this is your thing. I'm yeah. doing this shit for you. Totally. This is your fucking thing. Yeah. Whatever the fuck happened to Gary Cooper, he's already starting to think that, right? He's unable to talk red clay down, we learned from this Mohunk guy. Silvio's pushing regardless, really cute, kind of funny. Ask him about this. Ask him about that. Ask him about Iron Eyes Cody. Kind of what your kid does or what you're, when you were young and you were like yeah. tugging on your parents' arm. Like, ask, ask, ask. Cut back to Janice in therapy. Janice is so moved by Bobby. Her therapist tells her to to break it off with Ralph with the compassion and respect you're famous for. Which to me was like, yeah, you kicking him down the stairs. (laughs) Cut to Tony and crew at Casino. Note, way more Patsy than ever before in the show. Probably because there's no Polly. They need someone to fill that. Uh, Still saying to Tony, you had a good run. You held the dice for a long time. Super loaded statement, John, given the timing. Chief wants to talk to Tony about something, which we're going to find out to at the very end here. Cut to Melfi and X, which is kind of a non-sequitur sequence. Statements up in my bedroom, she says. He says, I trust you, but it's such a subtle line of writing that's so loaded about worldly experiential things, interpersonal relationships and trust. And, you know, did you pay the bills? And just very weird, but very real hit close to home thing. Richard turns on five o'clock news to watch Columbus protests. Red clay's on the tube again. Richard is the surrogate for this anti-Italian sentiment from the very beginning. Good tie-in. Great tie-in, right? Yeah. Only reason he's existing. Uh, could be scored with Albioni's Adagio, um, which we learned from Autopsy, I learned from Autopsy, is another Fugazi. Mm. It's a song that isn't even created by Albioni. Uh, nicely explains the paradox of Richard, too. I know, it was an interesting pick for him, I thought. Cut to Janice tossing Ralphie out. First off, that's all the stuff he had? Yeah, there's nothing in the briefcase when it opens. Right. It's weird. That's the last of it. What the fuck's the rest of it? <laughs> He proceeded, he should have just taken the fucking shoes off. This whole crisis could have been averted. No, she would have found something else. She would have found something else, yeah. Notice when he walks out the door, when he walks out after he says he's going to kill you, there's a painting on the wall and it looks like, there's like a black tunnel. It looks like a bottomless black hole. I thought it was a little nod to Livia. Yeah. (laughs) Cut to, final sequence, the car ride with Tony and crew. Silvio's looking for news on the parade, turning the dials. Tony's moment... One of his best monologues ever, you guys. Yeah. The Indians won the day, we learn from Silvio. Love the cut to Chris. You guys mentioned this at the beginning. Like, is Chris, like, he's kind of quiet. This was kind of Chris in the comfort zone saying, I just wrote a, I'm, a, I'm about to unleash a monologue for the ages on you guys. Here you go. Very chill, very at peace knowing that he penned one of the best monologues ever. You think the day's free, loaded in that both Columbus Day and the Compt Casino Day wasn't free. Like, the freedom that we have in this country was a you know, combination of a bunch of different things. Chief Smith wants Frankie Valley to play at the casino for a week. So good. Bad blood with Frankie's manager, so the chief wants me to call him directly, Tony says, as a payback for him reaching out to Red Clay. Oh, will you fucking stop? Group. Group. 
happened to fuck happened to Gary Cooper. That's what I'd like to know. The hand gesture, the off-kilter he neck. Died. I think it's like the third time he's done this oh, similar neck thing. I wonder if it's in the script. Oh, and another tie-in to an early season mention. Gary Cooper. Exactly. Oh, there was an American. The strong, silent type. He did what he had to do. He faced down the Miller gang when none of those other assholes in town would lift a figure to help him. Now, did he complain? Did he say, oh, I come from this poor Texas Irish illiterate fucking background or whatever the fuck, so leave me the fuck out of it because my people got fucked over. The usage rate, to no, end with no. an NBA analogy, the usage rate of whatever the hey, fucks is unprecedented but so effective. It's like a perfect score on Mortal Kombat. Or name your video game. The last thing I want to say about this is obviously the Frankie Valli song is amazing, but this whole scene, you guys, is four guys in a car. It's super powerful, though. Yeah, man, I got like him. They fucked everybody else. The Italians, the Polacks, the Blacks. I don't know if he was a metagon around nowadays, he'd be a member of some victims group. The fundamentalist Christians, the abused cowboys, the gays, whatever the fuck. He was gay, Gary Cooper? No! Are you listening to me? It's four guys in a car, so much texture, so expansive. The claustrophobia is kind of overpowering, but it's one of the finest moments. So you agree that they can talk politics in a way, because this was them talking politics to me in this car scene. And you were, you were not okay with it? I was okay with this. I was okay with it because Tony basically said, look, the politics are all superficial. It was mm-hmm. his creative way of saying, look, whatever the fuck happened to Gary Cooper is basically another way of saying, like, who gives a fuck about all this shit? Yeah. Gary Cooper just got up and did his shit and, and made money. You know, he, he earned. You guys aren't earning. You guys are just bitching and complaining. And you can take it up with uh, Frankie Valley when you talk to him. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, I think we did this episode justice. Next week, we will be back with episode four of season four. Thank you so much. Thank you.